0: Hello and welcome to the High Tech Low Code Podcast. In this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Ian Taylor as our co-host. How are you doing, Ian?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you, Mary. Uh,
0: today's topic is cybersecurity, and for that, we have the pleasure of having as our guest speakers, Francisco Cipollone and Owenate Bestman. Francisco is an executive, public speaker, published author, and international judge, host of the CSP podcast, and has held several roles ranging from head of application security to head of security architecture. Also armed with an extensive experience related to the implementation of security across multi-cloud providers such as Amazon AWS, Microsoft Azure, and Google Cloud. As for Awanate, he's a successful recruiter passionate about assisting security leaders and security practitioners alike to meet their career and business goals. With an excellent record of staffing high-profile regulatory and commercial-driven cybersecurity and technology risk programs globally. Thank you very much both for giving us this opportunity to have a chat with you. I would like to start by asking how are you and if you'd like to give the listeners an intro about yourselves.
2: I'll I'll go first. Um, I'm I'm very good. It's been a good week, good month and uh, no complaints on my part whatsoever. I appreciate the invitation to speak to your audience. Uh, In terms of what I do, I'm the founder of Best Man Solutions, which is a recruitment firm dedicated to assisting CISOs and security practitioners within the field of hiring so I specialize in placing individuals in uh, technical positions such as security architecture and also non-technical security positions such as policy governance assurance what we call GRC I a global capacity primarily within the mid to senior market but I also spend a lot of time advising maybe rookies trying to get into the field and certification what they should do and what good looks like. I also spend time speaking to CISOs to advise them of the hiring needs and how the market might impact their headcount goals and plans moving forward.
3: Hey, Mario. Hey, Ian. How are you doing?
1: (laughs) Very well, thank you.
3: I won't list my uh, stuff because it's too long. I'm heading up the cloud security alliance for UK now, and I'm the podcaster as well. I'm heading up a couple of one startup and a, and a consultancy. So what we do in a nutshell, uh, I tend to help the cybersecurity space and non cybersecurity space about securing their application, cloud, and so on. And we have technology that backs us up, and we really want to help people getting better at secure coding and getting more people in the industry. I'm a big advocate for diversity and uh, really passionate. I mean, no one knows that I'm really passionate about bringing people uh, from different parts of the industry into cybersecurity and getting the help that they need uh, to get up to start. So that's a little bit about me.
1: That's great. That's great. So um, could I ask you, and um, let's start with um, Frank. Um, how did you get to where you are today? Kind of talk us through, you know, your, your path and what made you go into the technology side of it.
3: It's really a funny story. So I stumbled in cybersecurity by completely by accident. So I I started a, a career in 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 IT fundamentally, and and I was studying at university, and I took one optional field that was uh, cybersecurity and cryptography. And it was really, really cool, and uh, I started getting into it more into it, and then started challenging my professor. The professor started challenging me, and all of a sudden I said, "You're great at this." I said, "Am I?" <laughs> I said yeah, why don't you why don't you why don't you start working on this tiny piece of work that took a year <laughs> to bring it up to market?" It was uh, a little bit on on earliest days of virtualization and and securing the virtualization world, and at that point in time was absolutely not convenient at all to write. I remember writing like really low code, assembly code mixed at C to actually communicate with the virtual machine from the host machine. And who is in this space knows how painful the early days was this. <laughs> I don't know if you guys wrote in assembly, but it's not fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really grateful to be in the, in the low code, almost no code, because that thing was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of grow into it uh, day by day. So I start my consultancy and training company back in Italy, that then we sold. Uh, we started working with Microsoft and Cisco more and more, and then expand here in the UK. And really jumping from cybersecurity, then uh, back in cloud security, now in application security. Security is such a vast and uh, wide field to be in, and sometimes can be scary. That's why me and Juanate have done a lot of episode. Uh, virtually and non-virtually to actually help a new starter getting to this field that can be so confusing. And it's confusing for security people. I can't imagine for people that are not in this field.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. And that, that is quite, quite an interesting journey for you. then. It is. Uh, oh, and Arte, would you like to give us a kind of, how, how did you kind of lean into this, uh, this, this career path?
2: Well, first off, any any recruiter that tells you they wanted to get into recruitment whilst they were in university or something like that is lying and I'm gonna call them out <laughs> right now. Back. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone, myself included, I, I fell into recruitment first off. So I started placing, I've been in recruitment for a long time now, well over 15 years. I think my last count was 18 years. I stopped counting uh, along with a couple of gray hairs. But I started off placing pharmacists actually in NHS, um, uh, in the NHS and um, in, uh, in pharmaceutical companies. Uh, but I was the first one to actually place a pharmacist within a prison, a locum pharmacist. We call contractors locum. So that's my claim to fame. And I moved out of the public sector and I placed individuals within IT first, second, and third line, primarily in two banks. And this was the crazy days of recruitment, what I equate to Wolf of Wall Street. So, us us old timers you watch Wolf of Wall Street, well, oh, yeah. So, and then started refining it somewhat. I moved from organization to organization and I spent the last seven years assisting security professionals. And it was, just prior to that, it was operational risk. So that was a very good transition. Sometimes I describe uh, cybersecurity as operational risk, just with more of an IT flavor. So it was quite an easy transition. And what's kept me here is some of the interesting, crazy, smart people you meet along the way. So, yeah, and, and, uh, and here I am. I set up my own firm in April perfect timing at the very start of the lockdown so it, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a corona <laughs> company yeah i was in garden leave when it happened i thought all right you know what let's do this anyway so touch with so far so good headed in the right direction and it gives you the opportunity to speak to even even more people at this time because you're able to uh, add more value People are more open to conversations, so all good, absolutely.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, um, I would like to ask actually, uh, from a recruitment perspective, what an applicant needs to do to position themselves in this competitive climate to secure a role? Um, what certifications are most sought after?
2: It, statement It depends on how much experience they have. If they're just getting into security, well, first off, nothing. Beats work experience. If you are able to link what you've done previously in any sort of security capacity, even if it's physical security, that's very important from a certification perspective. If you're just getting into it, I think the uh, I think the CompTIA uh, CompTIA Security Plus is a very good certification to have. Now there is. There's, there's no real prerequisites behind it. Before the CompTIA Security Plus, there's CompTIA Network Plus, uh, CompTIA A Plus, but strictly speaking it's not necessary to complete those certifications before you go to uh, CompTIA Security Plus. Only a good understanding of IT and a good understanding of Linux and Unix. Now there are, As you progress and gain more experience, there are middle ground intermediate certification such as CEH certified ethical hacker which off the record doesn't actually make you a hacker it's a good strong security certification to have when you have two years of experience behind you. Also go back to fundamentals as well as people try and move into security I think there is a I think people forget some of the fundamentals, such as do your research on the company, do your research on what purpose security serves within the organization, realize that whilst in most organizations, it's not a money making area, it is an area in which you save money for the organization, either you save money by preventing the organization as much as you can being hacked, which leads to losses of reputational risk and also leads to regulatory fines. It's very important. This is a very saturated market. A lot, I mean, if you look at the term cyber security, information security, back in the days it was IT security, it's information security, now it's cyber security. You know why cyber is a sexy term itself? It's effectively a marketing term. With that, you have more individuals interested in it, it's important to network as much as you can. Obviously, we're not able to network physically here. There are associations you can join. It's important to do your research as as to the organization's uh, impact within within the actual industry, what they've done. So and also where you want to go in security there are non technical areas in security and there are technical areas in security it's important to have our goal in mind and research certifications along with that but nothing beats nothing beats experience if you can if you're not working within security currently but you are working in an organisation if you can put your hand up, volunteer for any security-related programs, security-related projects, find a sponsor within it, and you're able to articulate that and put that into your resume, then you stand in a much better position. But ultimately, research.
0: For those certifications, um, do you advise any uh, institute?
3: Maybe I can pitch in because uh, let, let's, let's not forget that <laughs> there is also a lot of open source. There is a lot of open source stuff and a lot of people doing uh, free and available. So certification is great and absolutely agree with Oana. it's uh experience is fantastic, but also there is a lot of stuff. Uh, if I can mention the Cloud Security Alliance is doing a lot of stuff on cloud security. Uh, We have conferences and we have talks. Uh, One other has been on on some and we've done like the full path for DevSecOps or certification or any kind of these things, but also dive in because effectively right now that all these conferences are online, just absorb all this knowledge because it's free and it's available in there. So you don't necessarily need to do the certification. Certification are great but they cost money and right now in, in this moment of scarcity where people are out of job, OWASP is a great uh, place where uh, everybody is, is pushing in and it's not just about web application security. Uh, it, it was born as an open web application security framework, but it expanded and has a lot of flagship projects and a lot of great people that can guide and share the knowledge and it's for free. So, it's go out there, search for uh, IC Square or CSA or OWASP. They are great, or ISA, they're a great place to network and to get free information.
2: Okay, Thank you very much. C- can I just add on to that as well, uh, Mario? Please, please. Um, yeah, mentioned a good point. I'm a big fan of the term free. Uh, I recently compiled 10 free training courses. Uh, specifically dedicated to security. Some are in cryptography, some are in GRC, some are in security architecture. Uh, these are all free and they're all, in, um, they're all at various levels from intermediate, to rookie straight through to expert. So that's actually on my website, the publication part of Best Man Solutions. If you go to that, I've listed 10 free training courses. It's also on LinkedIn as well. So go to the publication web page of bestmansolutions.com and they're all listed there, a number of them, some from Open University as well. Okay,
0: okay. So the website, just to confirm, is bestman.com, right? And we can... No, no,
2: no, it's bestmansolutions.com. If you go to bestman.com, it might take you to a stack company. Good point. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) point. (laughs) (laughs) Might do. It (laughs) depends what you want to do. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah, I can can offer that as well.
1: But bestman solutions. (laughs) Let's let's stick with the bestman solutions.com. Just confirming. Yeah, (laughs) bestman is branching out into a whole new role. I, 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 I've thought about that, Ian. <laughs> okay, so just to bring it back to uh, cybersecurity. Yeah. So obviously our, our our sprints were 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 out systems, but taken into the 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 platforms, out systems, power apps. You know the the low code, no code type uh, solutions we have out there. And obviously with the pandemic and people have been using these more heavily now. What would you consider the the best, big biggest risk that need to be kept an eye on for these um, low code systems and platforms
3: Well, i would say is first of all because a lot right now we saw a massive cut in cybersecurity uh, teams and the organization will still need to deploy and actually even more right now people are, are trying to find different and new clever way in these term of scarcity so i really love the idea of uh, almost no code writing and is in line with gartner uh, zero Code or Code Initiative uh, or citizen uh, Citizens Code Initiative that I really love because it brings everybody from the organization to actually write code or, or get that empathy towards engineers and to bring effectively the prototype to market as fast as it can. But the only problem with that is that everybody that puts together a piece of code or a piece of an application could potentially publish it up, not involve security, and that could lead into, first of all, if you are lucky in a repu- just brand reputational damage, but if you're not lucky, that could be a bridge point. So I would say low code is great, but also always involves security in, you know, assessing or maybe test the application in an environment that is safe where client can come and try it out, but uh, in, a, in a very safe way. And if you want to take it outside, take it outside just in a temporary basis or put MFA plus an authentication login so that you prevent the occasional hacker or the occasional attacker um, to breach your application just because you put it there uh, occasionally. So just always be conscious that even even if it's a demo, if it's a prototype, anything, it just affect your brand and affect your organizational brand and test it. If you're taking it to production, test it. Like with Vulnerability Scan, if you don't want to, to buy an expensive pen test code and all pen test it because it's the best way to actually break the logic of an application. And we offer both service. So if you don't know where to go, come to us. <laughs>
1: that's very generous of you we'll we'll, we'll be looking for the discount
3: (laughs) absolutely, we offer discount to (laughs) (laughs) autos.
1: thank you very much
0: still using that as a segue and taking into account platforms such as OutSystems or PowerApps and that the platforms such as these are helping with the current wave of digital transformation that was kickstarted by the pandemic what would you consider to be the biggest risks that we should keep our eyes on
3: Web assessment, web. I mean, if you look at our system, and if you look at any low code, is effectively just piece of code put it together to describe a workflow, to describe an application. So, the traditional problem with uh, um, piece of code is that you can atomically evaluate a, 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 an application or a piece of code or any anything uh, that is secure by itself. But then you put it together, and the different component can operate in a ways that makes an application behave in an insecure way and that's bread and butter for an attacker because they try to break, well they try first of all, occasionally to break application, to break into a system using you know the common vulnerability. You have a port open that is maybe uh, exposing a, a web server that is vulnerable or any other occasional stuff that is easy to exploit. But then the next level is they try web application. They try to probe, uh, I don't know, fields or try to see if they can steal your cookies, if they can still use a session. And that's individually, it's complicated to do. But then the other part is they try to break the logic of an application. So if you put together a prototype that maybe lead to an internal database with some user information, maybe they try to bypass the authentication with maybe inserting some fields. So it's always Better to insert those kind of uh, testing mentality in all your development life cycle, so that when you bring an application into production, you start thinking it like an attacker. You start trying to break your own application, and if you instill it in your own developer, they can think first of all on how they can break their own application and where they need the testing in a in a more uh, consistent way. I don't know, what you guys think?
0: I, w- I was thinking uh, about what you just said. Um, and most of these low-code platforms, they already offer out-of-the-box uh, authentication methods mm-hmm. and whatnot. I would like to trust those authentication methods to say, okay, these are secure enough to at least withstand an attack from a hacker. Um, what's your view on that?
3: Yeah, I mean,. I think 30% of the attack right now are through credential stuffing. So because there is so many breaches, people are just collecting. I mean, there is collection number one to collection number five. That is like gigs and gigs and gigs of files uh, with username and password. So attacker, any kind of attacker that is worth their name, has those at hand and can try them continuously. So even if normally an attacker or a user use the traditional credentials, It's not about that the authentication system is not safe. It's that it's very common that those passwords might have been used somewhere else. And you could potentially build a super secure authentication method, but then you lose the consideration that an attacker will not try to break a protocol because people will have tried to secure their protocol to the nth degree. But then they will use the occasional thing that is... Do I have the credential? Let's try all the credentials and maybe crash the application because you try too many credentials at the time. An attacker is fundamentally thinking outside of the box. And if you think outside of the box, like an attacker and say, well, I have an authentication system and then I have multi-factor. If you try them both, it's really, really hard to break it. And that's actually how to to get rid of, for example, things like credential stuffing. Just put multi-factor or even SMS factor authentication in. And immediately you've secured so much better an application with an authentication flow.
0: Never thought about this way, that social engineering could actually be the undoing of my application. Absolutely. (laughs) It's
3: like you can build the most secure things and then you break the logic of an application. Uh, For example, one thing that we were testing some time ago on a client uh, is they built a very secure application. We uh, vulnerability assessed the application. Almost nothing showed up. They were super, super proud And then, you know what? I inserted the admin at the end of uh, the URL and I bypassed completely the authentication system because it didn't...
0: uh, Oh, that uh, must have hurt. It Uh, did hurt, but
3: they never thought somebody would have done that. And the authentication (laughs) system was perfect. They had multi-factor, but they forgot to take on the authentication and to re-authenticate. So effectively, that was a problem or a more ingenious way would be you know what? I steal a token from a client and I replay the token towards the application. And if their client is an admin, I replay that token and I'm an admin immediately. I stole that session. You need to think outside the box that attackers are getting like um, vulnerability into laptop for that specific reason, to uh, steal credential, to steal cookies, to steal tokens, because That's the easy way. That's the easy way. You can social engineer somebody, say, I'm your boss. I need this email immediately or click on this website, enter the credentials, store the credentials. I'm your admin immediately. So you might build the most secure application, but then you forget the human aspect of cybersecurity. And it's it's usually the weakest link, but it's the one that works and attacker use it. Yeah and it's not the user it's not the user fault it's who designed the application that hasn't thought through or who is effectively the cybersecurity professional or responsible for cybersecurity that doesn't have a solid cybersecurity strategy with solid cybersecurity strategy I say look at application security look at vulnerability assessment and look at the human aspect so how you can train your user to not react to weird email or to always question weird email and it's as simple as that
1: yeah absolutely so um, as as we kind of closing up through uh, through this podcast, so uh, I'd I'd like to get um, what what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, what what is the vision? You know, where where do we see cybersecurity? You know, going where we take into account the the you know the rapid progress we're making, as smart as hackers are getting. Um, uh, where, where where do we see this going in the future?
3: So let, let me add just a little bit because of course I've been, <laughs> I'm Italian. I've been speaking all the time. <laughs> It's it's my bad, but I see, I see almost uh, like everything is getting outside data center. More is go- is getting into the cloud, and the only thing that we. Uh, are left with is securing some code and securing some cloud environment. And that's where we've been investing heavily on in helping our clients secure the code and the, the, the cloud, because that's where we think cyber security is going to go and everything else will be almost automated or automatable. So the more you secure your code, the more you secure your user behavior, the more you have a structured uh, strategy, the better you are security. Yeah, what I agree think? with
2: that, especially um, around automation and um, thing like that. Is artificial intelligence as well in the progression towards artificial intelligence? Obviously, I'm coming from a recruitment <clears throat> perspective, and I think the implementation of artificial intelligence will will diversify the job descriptions and diversify the duties of a security practitioner, in which a lot of the monotonous activities will be automated and perhaps we can get back to some of the human elements as well and to maybe recruit people that think like hacker from a wide diversity uh, from a wide pool uh, of society to reflect the actual hackers uh, as well so rather than being a more reactive basis but to effectively be more proactive that's my that's my aim a wish or do I know? <laughs> Can I do five? I just buy seesaws and what to do, right? <laughs>
0: Thank you very much, Francesco, Awanate, and Nian, for being able to join us and taking time from your schedules to be mm. able to participate in this little chat of ours. Pleasure. Uh,
3: yeah. Well, thank you pleasure. very much
0: thanks again thank you very much all of you
3: thank you Mario thank you Ian
0: um, and with that we wrap up today's episode thank you very much for listening and hope you join us on our next episode of High Tech Low Code Podcast where we'll feature another guest and approach yet another topic of extreme importance to the tech world see you soon